All right, well, good evening, church. It's, it's great to be here. My name is Mark. If, if you're not sure who I am, I head up the youth ministry here at SBC. Um, some of you may have seen me in a sling like five minutes ago, and now I'm not. It's just a good, good test of hypocrisy. But also, I have doctor's permission. It's all safe. He, when I went for my checkup, he, he told me I'm allowed to be out the sling from, from tomorrow. So then I like, pulled some strings and I said, today. So, so today it is. So, so I have a bit more freedom. So, so today we, we're discussing the, the tough question of, of how can the Christian faith be credible? Or how can, yeah, how can the Christian faith be credible when so many Christians are hypocrites? We, we live in a world that, that is full of hypocrisy and, and the industry that does it so well, in my opinion, is Hollywood. Billions of dollars every year are, are made on hypocrites. Actors who are paid to pretend to be someone that they're not. They portray a character. They, they, they are who they aren't. And, and this whole idea is, is it makes millions every year. But think how boring movies would be if, if actors played themselves in every role that they got. They'll be looking for new actors every week, I think. But this, this whole thing is, is it comes down that, that they're called to do this. This is who they are. Or, or this is not who they are, but this is what they, they, their job is. I don't know about you, but, but I enjoy watching series and, and, and I watch them and then you get to know the character. You, you get to know how they, they respond and, and how they react in certain, in certain situations. Their mannerisms, their, their ways of, of moving. And then you see them acting in another movie or in another series and you go, I know this guy. So I'm going to watch this as well. And you turn it on and, and the fun loving quirky character that you once knew is now the evil villain and your whole life is just shattered because they're not being who they are. But yes, the point is, is pretending to be someone is, is fine when, when you're on stage or you're on screen. But the, the real issue comes down is when you start to pretend to be someone that you're not and that filters into your everyday life. When that becomes an everyday reality for you. So to define hypocrisy, to define this, this term that we'll be talking about a lot tonight is, it is to claim to have a moral standard or belief which one's own behaviors do not conform. Put it in a simpler way, simply your walk and your talk don't line up. So what you say and what you do are two completely different things. The way in which you live isn't what you call others to. Or another way to put it is, is you say one thing, you call people to a standard, yet you yourself fail to keep it. And, and this is the real issue with hypocrisy is, is it doesn't say that, that you don't sin or you don't fall short or you don't mess up. But the real issue with hypocrisy is that you fail to admit it. You pretend like you don't. You cover up, you make it seem like less of an issue. You make it seem like your faults can be hidden behind this great facade that you put up. To, to be a hypocrite ultimately is to be inauthentic, unwilling to admit who you really are to the world around. But how much worse is this in the church for us today? A quote by David Kinman and Gabe Lyons in, in their book, Unchristian, What a New Generation Thinks About Christianity. They said this, born-agains or Christians were distinct on some religious variables most notably owning more Bibles, going to church more often, and donating more money to religious nonprofits. 
However, when it came down to non-religious factors, the substance of people's daily choices, actions, and attitudes, there were few meaningful gaps between born-agains and non-born-agains. In virtually every study we conducted, representing thousands of interviews every year, born-again Christians failed to display much attitudinal or behavioral evidence of a transformed life. What a sad statement that, that the thing that defines Christianity is that we own more Bibles, go to church more often, and give more money. But when it comes down to every other factor, there isn't a difference. There isn't anything that they could find to, to say, this sets them apart. The truth is, is we have Jesus, but so often we live like he doesn't matter. We live like he doesn't exist in our own lives. Gandhi once said, I like your Christ but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. My barber that I used to go to was a very strong Muslim man, and his biggest argument he would have while cutting my hair, which was always very risky because he had the scissors and I, was, and I was stuck there. But his biggest argument that he had was, how can the Christian faith be credible when you're a hypocrite? You don't reflect the Christ that you claim to follow. Those were his words. And the sad part is, is I had to sit there in the chair and go, I know. That's so true. We all fall short of displaying Christ to the world around us. Each of us today who, who know him, we, we fall short of, of displaying him. So the question today, the question that we're going to answer tonight is, how can this Christian faith be credible when all of us are hypocrites? And the first thing to, to look at is, if you hate hypocrisy, there's good news for you because you're closer to Jesus than you think. If we look at this idea of, of hypocrisy, it's one that Jesus didn't shy away from. It's one that he, he spoke to in his day. He, he called out the Pharisees. He called out the religious leaders of the day for the games that they were playing, for their actions, for the way in which they lived. In Matthew 23, it's, it's one of those passages that hits you hard. We're just going to look at a few verses. Verses 1 to 4, Jesus starts with, And then Jesus said to the crowd and his disciples, The teachers, and the law, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything that they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger. Jesus warns the crowd, he says, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they, they are teaching God's law, the law of Moses, and that's good. So, so follow that, follow, follow what God sets, follow God's standard, but don't follow the Pharisees. Don't follow the, te- the re- religious leaders of the day. Why? Because they do not practice what they preach. They call people to one thing, but do what they, their own thing. Verse 5 continues, and, and it says, Everything that they do is for show. Everything that is done is for people to see. They, they pray out loud in the street corners. They, they make noise. They, they want to show people how spiritual they are, how, how together they've got this, this thing down. But ultimately, there was no heart behind it. But Jesus doesn't stop there in Matthew 23. He, he carries on with, with seven times that he calls out the Pharisees, but we're only going to look at a few. In verse 15, he says, Woe to you, teachers and teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. 
You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them out to be twice as much the child of hell that you are. Jesus hits the heart there, that, that this whole thing that they're doing there, ultimately when, when, when they find this convert, when they, when they get the one that they've, they've traveled over land and sea to find, they just make them out to be another hypocrite just like them. They go, do this or, or, or teach people this, but, but do whatever you want. There's, there's a standard of, of this, is, this is what you need to portray, but, but ultimately how you live doesn't really matter. Verse 25, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of your cup and your dish, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Again, Jesus calls out the heart behind us that, that you make it look so great on the outside. You, you have these long tassels, these, these outfits that everybody can see the Pharisees come in, that they look like they, 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 they live in the pot. But ultimately, the inside of the cup is greed and self-indulgence. There's nothing there that, that really represents how they live. Verse 27, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but inside you are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Again, Jesus goes straight to, straight to the heart condition here, that, that like a tomb that, that was nicely painted on the outside, it, looked, it, it can look as beautiful as it wants but ultimately inside is full of bones of the dead. There's, there's no life, there's no substance, but all that is inside is, is hypocrisy and wickedness. This, this, this sense of what they're displaying and, and again, what is actually happening inside are two completely different things. So Jesus took the hypocrisy seriously. He called them out. He corrected them. He called them out because of their spiritual duplicity or their, their spiritual deceitfulness. In other words, they, they were saying, look how great we are. Look, look how together we've got this. You know, we are the best. Follow us. But then ultimately, what was there to follow? Their lies and their fraud. Their, their displaying of, of this faith that, that doesn't really ex- exist. But at the same time, we see that Jesus calls them out, not, not just because he wanted to show them up, or, or not just because he wanted to, to make them look bad in front of the crowd. But ultimately, we see that Jesus loved them enough. He loved them enough that, that he wanted to reveal to them the hard truth about themselves, their attitudes, and their actions, so that they could correct it, that they could, that they could change it. He wasn't just pointing it out for the sake of pointing it out, but rather he was saying, this is where you got it wrong, now change it. In every one of those statements, it starts with the word woe or, or a warning. Be careful not to do this. Be careful that, or be careful that you are doing this, so you need to change it. So the truth tonight is, is if you, if you're a skeptic or if you're searching this, this faith that we, we, we claim to have, then if you condemn hypocrisy, then you're on the same side of the fence as Jesus. You agree with him, you agree with him at least one point that maybe you didn't before. So the question really about the, the, the question that we're really answering tonight isn't 
so much an issue with God. It isn't so much an issue with Jesus. But rather the issue is with those who follow him. Those who display him. So let us look to the perfect example who to follow. We see that Jesus is our perfect example. The one that we can look to. The one that we can follow. This is not the excuse for for Christian hypocrisy. This is not the the get out of jail free card. But ultimately the Bible claims moral perfection from one person. And that's Jesus. The Bible speaks very clearly about you and I. But he tells us that, the Bible tells us that Jesus is perfect. Jesus is the one we look to. Hebrews 14 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. And that's the Jesus that we look to. The one who is morally perfect. The one who, who does not even have a hint of sin. There's no dirty little secrets that one day will come out. But ultimately, he's perfect. A few more examples of this. Jesus was before the Pharisees, and, and they, were, they were trying to find him guilty of something. And in John 8, verse 46, he says, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling the truth. Why do you not believe me? And at that point, if there was any dirty little secret, if that point there was anything that they could throw out, they would. But they didn't. They walked away. So no one could find him guilty of sin. Ultimately, we see at the the crucifixion, at the trial of Jesus, they had to find witnesses who were willing to lie about Jesus so that they could even have the trial to start with. Because without any witnesses, there was no trial. So they had to find witnesses who were willing to try, willing to lie in order they could put Jesus to death. Jesus is morally perfect. There is no shadow of hypocrisy in him. Church, that is why we are told to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. So to revisit the question tonight, how can I trust Christianity when so many Christians are hypocrites? Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, was was in India, and someone came to her and kind of quoted Gandhi's quote of going, you know, your Christians and your Christ don't really look the same. And her response is, is the same response that that I feel we need to share tonight, is tonight we're not offering you a Christian. Tonight the offer isn't another Christian. It's not me. promise you if it was me, I would let you down. But the offer tonight is is Jesus. Christianity is Jesus. Jesus is the stamp of Christianity. Without him, we could actually go home tonight, and this would be done. But because of him, it's the stamp, it's the validity, it's, it's the... It's the proof and it's the evidence. Not the followers of Jesus, but Jesus himself. He is the one we look to. If we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then we have the basis for Christianity. But if we don't believe that, then then we're going to look to others for the example, and they're going to fail. So tonight, the challenge for the skeptic is, is this faith that that is on offer is not based on, on flawed Christian efforts but rather, rather it's based in the powerful work of, and person of Jesus Christ. The question is, are you willing to put your trust in him? For the believer, the, the challenge is a little bit more hard-hitting tonight. Is Are you living in such a way that it makes it easier or more difficult for people to come to know Jesus? The real hindrance in, in, in our faith is not Jesus and his power, but it's you and I and how poorly we reflect him to the world. 
which leads us to realize that, that many Christians today are, are only playing this game called religion. If we look back at Matthew 23, we see that Jesus calls out the Pharisees because of this religious game that they were playing. The game that was completely lacking any spiritual substance. Titus 1 verse 16 says this, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit of doing anything good. Church, the reality tonight is the easy part is to claim to know God. A little bit of Google searching led this stat, that South Africa, they are roughly 79.8% Christian. If you work better in numbers, that's 35.8 million people. I think if that was the case, we would have to have an 8, 10, 6, 12, 2, 4, 6. I don't want to preach at all of them because you might just fall over halfway through. But, but if that really was the case, if that really was the stat, I think more churches would be opening and closing. Churches would have issues with how to fit the people in. The reality is that it's easy to claim to know God. But the real test is comes, how do your actions prove that? How do your actions show that? It's easy to claim, but, but do your actions say that, that that is your claim or do your actions deny him? Therefore, we need to understand that, that the faith of the faithless is, is not the benchmark for Christianity, but rather Jesus is. We look to him to help illustrate this. I recently had shoulder surgery. That's why I had, have the sling. But imagine with me that, that my first port of call was to go to the witch doctor, the witch doctor to, to heal my shoulder. And that didn't work. Then I went off to the orthopedic surgeon and told him that, that you know, I first went to the witch doctor, and now I've come to you, so, so you need to make sure you can do this. And knowing him from the times I've met him, he probably would laugh at me and tell me that I'm silly. Why? Just because witch doc the witch doctor has doctor in his name doesn't mean the medical council will approve anything that he does. And the same goes for the Christian community today. Many call themselves Christian. Many, many, many people are playing this religious game. But rather, church, we, we need to look to Jesus as the measuring stick. He's the one who defines this. He's the one who, who, who sets the benchmark. The goal of Christianity is to look more like Jesus, not your Christian friend. Or not the pastor, or not anyone else, but rather to look like Jesus. Which leads us to the truth that, that I think we've all been avoiding tonight. That hypocrisy comes in degrees and each of us are guilty of it. If we were to stick to our definition of hypocrisy, is to claim to have a moral standard or belief which our own behavior does not conform. And then the truth is that each of us tonight are hypocrites in some degree. Why? Because we fail to live up to our own moral standards that we set. Imagine with me for a moment that you, you're given a personal voice recorder. This recorder that you, you have, it's super cool. You don't have to turn it on and off to record your voice. It turns on and off when you say the magic words, you should. You should get fit. You should eat healthy. You should be a better person. You should be a better parent. It recalls all those statements that you make where you call people to a standard that you yourself believe to be true. But then one day that, that recording is played back to you and you're given a, a, a photo of every time you've fallen short of it. The times you wanted to go to gym but didn't. 
the times you ate two cheeseburgers instead of one, the times you were you, you lost and you 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 lost your mind and you flipped out at someone because they made you so angry, and the time that you really failed as a parent, all of those situations were played back to you. By definition, you would be a hypocrite. You fail to live up to the moral standard or behavior that you yourself have set. The reality tonight is, is each of us are hypocrites. But the truth is, is one day this recording will be played back. And won't just be a recording of, of the times where you said, you, you said. But rather it will be a recording of your whole life. Will be played back before God on judgment day. And the question that may be asked is by God is, is why should I let you into heaven? And our excuse one day can't be, well, God, look at all those Christians. They were hypocrites. Look at all those Christians and, and how they let you down. Because the Bible says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all failed to keep, we have all not just failed to keep our own moral standard, but rather we failed to keep God's standard as well. It's not just ourselves that we failed, but we failed Jesus. But there is a way to meet God's standard. There's a way to not that, that this can be dealt with. And, and this is by the work of Jesus on the cross. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourself, but it is a gift from God. It is not by works that no one, that no one can boast. This tells us that as we come to the foot of the cross, we, we don't come with a performance record or we don't come with our, our certificates and our achievements and going, God, look how much I've done for you. Look at everything I've achieved. We don't arrive there with pride or, or anything that we can offer. But rather we come to the cross and, and we realize our, our need for Jesus. Our need for Jesus as the perfect example, the one who died and rose again to deal with our sin. But as we come to the cross, we, we remember the words of, of Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 4 and 5. And it says this, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, while all the time you have a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll clearly see, then you, you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Because each of us, as, as we come to the cross, we, we come with this huge plank in our own eye. The, the reality is we, we're quick to point out the faults and the shortcomings of others. But we're so unwilling to see ours. We're so unwilling when, when people call us out on stuff. We, we cover it up. We try to make it look better. But as we come to the cross, as, as the offer is to come to the cross... We come to the cross and we realize that Jesus hung on the planks of the cross that you and I can have the plank removed from our own eye. The plank isn't going to be removed by our efforts or, or our striving or by trying harder or, or trying to dig it out, but ultimately is by the grace of God in sending Jesus. So the question tonight is, is the Christian faith credible even though so many Christians are hypocrites? The answer has to be yes because of Jesus. Not because of us, but because Jesus is credible. and In him we find salvation. In him we find the forgiveness of sin. So for the believer tonight, the, there's a challenge and there's some hope. The challenge is how well are we, we representing Jesus to the world around us? How well do you do it at school, at work, at home, or amongst your friends? 
Sometimes it's easy to do it in one situation, but it's hard to do it in another. How well are we doing it all the time? But the hope is this, that, that the comfort that we have is, is we're not yet the finished product. We are still on this journey to become more and more like Jesus. This journey that we fall far short of many times is this time where we fail again and again and again. But the challenge is let us be open with those failures. Let us be open with those to the world around us. Not saying, yeah, post it on Facebook and tell the world about what you've done. What I'm cautioning against is, is the trap that we can fall into so easy of saying I'm doing this better than others or I have it all together even when I don't. We put on this facade. We, we become like the Pharisees and, and we walk around going, look how good I look on the outside. But ultimately on the inside, it's all falling apart. But as we are open and honest, we, we can say that this Christian life is not easy. We can remind ourselves again and again and again that we are a sinner saved by God's amazing grace. We need forgiveness daily, so let's be open with this. The gospel is a gospel of forgiveness. Church, the, the reality is so often we live like we don't really need that forgiveness. So let's go out and show them that, or show the world that, that we need forgiveness. For the skeptic today, for, for the, the one who's searching, the, the challenge is, is if, if hypocrisy is the, the issue that, that you have with Christianity, or if hypocrisy is the thing that's standing in the way of, of you becoming a Christian, then my heartfelt question, and a question that I, I don't take lightly, is what is going to help you deal with your own hypocrisy? What is going to help you to get rid of it? Are you going to try harder? Are you going to give more effort? What are you going to do to remove the plank from your own eye? The offer tonight is, is come to me all who are weak and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come to me and have the plank removed so that you can have freedom and eternal life. As we're in worship uh, the Lord just reminded me of Paul's words of, of this, this amazing grace, this, this gospel that, that comes even when we, we're the worst of sinners. Paul says, you know, this gospel was enough to save me, the, the worst of all. So I know for some they're going, well, you don't, you don't understand the, the depth of, or, or how deeply rooted this, this plank is in my eye. The truth is that, that on the cross that was paid for. On the cross that is enough. There is no cross plus or, or extras that we need to do. There's no more that we need to give or, or no more that there is to give. For it is by grace we have been saved, the grace of God. So the challenge tonight is as we've gone through the series, uh, there's been a lot of questions that maybe have been asked, a lot of, a lot of maybe intellectual questions that have been answered. But the challenge tonight is this deals with the heart. If you were to stand before God, what would your answer be on, on why should I let you into heaven? And the only answer that counts, the only answer that stands is because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And the fact that I have accepted and believed that. In Him, we, we have the forgiveness of sin. We have this new life, an eternal life that is on offer. So the worship team is going to come up and we're going to sing that, that great song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that saved a wretch like me. What, what, what true words of, of the gospel, that, that we a sinner can, can be saved by God's amazing grace. Let's pray.
So Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We, we just thank you for, for your work on the cross and sending Jesus. Lord, we, we just thank you that, that in that we, we can have the plank that's, that's removed from our eye that's so deeply rooted. Lord, we can have this, this forgiveness of sin. We, we can have a new life that is on offer. Lord, I just pray tonight that, that you will just continue to soften hearts. And Lord, that as we, as we sing these words, we, we're so reminded of, of the work that you have done. So Lord, I pray for this in your name. Amen.